welcome back to Grid Iron Gamble, the only podcast that puts its money where its mouth is. I'm your host, Rich Ryan, and I'm joined by two members of the collective, Donnie D.P. Peters and the resident moose himself, Mo Nuwara. Hope you checked out last week's episode where we covered the onesie positions, quarterbacks, and tight ends. A few weeks back, we also gave our futures that we liked at the beginning of of July or whenever we did this podcast. And then this week we interviewed Damon Graham, winner of the Super Contest in 2016, Pops 2008 or Pops 3284, the legend, coffee maker, barista turned near millionaire by picking some winners. And now we here, we are here to talk wide receivers. Next week is running backs. And then before you know it, the NFL season will be upon us. DP, Mo, good morning. Salutations. Mo, where are you at in the world these days? Sitting on a couch in Omaha, Nebraska. Omaha! 30 minutes away, baby. Yeah, anyway, if, if anybody is living in America listening to this podcast, Mo is 30 minutes away from you. If you need grocery delivery, anything, <laughs> I'm there. Grocery deliveries, man. That's one of those services where I just can't trust it, you know? I like uh, uh, walking through a grocery store is a bit cathartic on its own, but walking through produce and the meat section, I don't know, guys. I got to do it myself. Yeah, you got to pick your own groceries. Yeah. DP, where are you at? I know you're not uh, on, on the meat side these days, but produce section, you have to be hand-selecting, right? No, no, I, no jokers picking your, your fruits and veggies for you. One of my... Top five favorite things to do in life is go grocery shopping. Oh, wow. Top five. I absolutely love it. I love just going into the grocery store. I usually put my headphones in so I don't have to deal with anyone. And I just go up and down every single aisle, which my fiance absolutely can't stand about <laughs> me. But you got to look at everything. You don't know what you might miss. I love I love the whole process. I love making the list. I love going through my place, being like, oh, I need this. I need that. Putting it on my list. I love going in there. I'm a, I'm a list guy with it. You know, I mean, they got phones. They got apps. No, I write it down on a piece of paper. You pen, paper, put it down, bring the pen in there, cross it off as I go. I, I love the whole process of it. So are you, are you a big box store guy? Like, what, do you do you make a Costco run? Because that seems like it would be overwhelming to go down every aisle at a big box store. Uh, I, d- I do go to Costco because it's much more cost effective and I'm cheap as all hell. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but I don't at Costco, I don't go down every single aisle, but I go down a large majority of them. And I still love going down the meat aisles. <laughs> See what you're missing? Yeah, I was reading something the other day about some vegetarian who said that he he can't even like go into a restaurant anymore that that cooks meat. If he smells it, he starts to get sick. I'm like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? I smell a steak and I'm like, my mouth starts watering. <laughs> well, that's the. Uh, I mean, there's two types of vegetarians and vegans, right? We're way off the off the rails, but who cares? There's there's two types, right? There's the. Well, I guess there's three. There's there's one who's just doing it for the animals. They think it's absolutely cruel uh, how animals are treated. Then there's the other that's just health conscious. They understand that a plant-based diet might be the best for them or it's been prescribed for them. And then there's the people that are kind of in the middle of that Venn diagram that are both. And Donnie, it doesn't seem like you're the type that's the meat is murder uh, throwing blood on people's I mink not coats. not that at all. <laughs> not one bit. I mean, I... I don't agree with like the way that they do it nowadays. 
it's just such mass production. I think that that's more or less a fraud, you know, like I, I think it's the way that humans came up and, you know, cavemen and all that sort of stuff. Like if you got to go out there and kill your own food, like, okay, I think that that's fine. If I could, and I, in an ideal world, I would eat totally, you know, farm to table, like in my backyard type of thing, but I don't have the money to do that. And if you try and buy stuff that's grass fed and organic and all that sort of junk, it's like three times the price. So I decided to go the other way to be healthier. Yeah. Nobody's out here standing for, uh, the meat, production companies right like <laughs> nobody's rooting for the people that slaughter cows and pigs they just kind of eat what they produce but let's get to uh speaking of uh <laughs> slaughtering let's get to cte ball aka american football national football league it is nearly draft season i have my first draft next weekend uh i know labor day weekend is probably going to be the big one for a lot of people, and then the week leading up to the season. So we're getting very, very close. And as I noted at the top, we're going to be focusing on the wide receiver position for this episode. Same format as last week. We're going to look at overvalued players, players who we think are being drafted. Uh, at Their current ADP is too high for our liking. Uh, and then we're going to be looking at undervalued players who we think their ADP might be a little too low and that we might be scooping up a round or two earlier. And Mo, I will start with you, and we're going to start with the overvalued players. Give us some receivers that, based upon their current ADP, you don't think you'll be rostering this season. Okay, overvalued players. My first one is a guy I was really low on last year. I was proven to be right, and I'm low again on him this year. It's Amari Cooper. Um This Raiders offense, man, I think we can generously call it one giant question mark uh, from what we have seen and and heard from this clown Gruden. He's going to want to run the ball a lot. Uh, We don't know if that'll actually happen. Maybe, you know, maybe the Raiders will be down in some games. Who knows? But it sounds like the plan is to not pass it as much as they probably should. And, you know, uh, Crabtree's gone, which, you know, that's a positive, but Jordy's in. It's probably relatively close to a wash there. I mean, I'm the captain of Jordy is washed, but uh, he should still produce somewhat close to what Crabtree would have. And, you know, just look looking at Cooper's numbers, man, horrible, horrible efficiency last year. Um, that was after the Raiders offensive line and Derek Carr, both of their plays slipped a little bit last year. Uh, could they bounce back? Absolutely. Um, but we don't know if they will. And we have a bad coach who says he wants to run the ball, uh, even in his good seasons, which was his, his first two seasons, Amari was just like, you know, really good. He wasn't a superstar. Um, so where he's getting drafted late third round, I'm just not convinced that there's any value right there. Uh, some of the guys going after him, um, Derek Henry, Zach Ertz, uh, those are the next two picks. Um, you got like Brandon Cooks, Demarius Thomas a little later. Uh, Demarius. A little after that. I think these are better values than 
Amari Cooper. Um, you know Mo. Ha- you know Mo hates a player when he's taking Demarius over him. Yeah, I just you know maybe Amari's just not that great. <laughs> DP, where are you at on this whole Gruden thing? You feel like uh, a 60-year-old football fan trapped in a 30-year-old's body. You got some old man takes at times. Not as much as Brett. Yeah, I do have old man takes, but fuck John Gruden. <laughs> like, that guy's a clown. But but I will say that I'm 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 starting to get higher by the day on Marshawn Lynch. So I need to like either check myself or like go all in because I don't know if I'm just drinking the Gruden Kool-Aid or what, but it's it sounds like all the reports and some some quick highlights I've watched. I know it's camp. I shouldn't buy in too much, but it looks like Marshawn Lynch has kind of gone back a couple years in terms of the timeline of life and, and looks a bit fresher, faster, younger, you know, a little bit lighter, that sort of thing. So I mean we'll see. But I do agree with Mo and Amari Cooper. Um my biggest thing is I think that Jordy Nelson's gonna be um a little bit better than people think. I don't think Jordy's going to be the Jordy of old, but I think that he's going to kind of assume that uh, Larry Fitzgerald type role where he's just a really good, solid, smart receiver who can run really good routes and is going to just take up a lot of targets. His yards per catch is going to go down. Um, He's just not the same old Jordy Nelson. um, And Derek Carr is not Aaron Rodgers. But um, I just think that he's going to just eat up, what, 75 to 90 catches in that range i think that that's pretty good for a really elite route runner like jordy nelson and a guy who has a clue how to do things on the football field and that's somewhere that i think amari cooper who is the more talented guy suffers a little bit so i think that you're going to see nelson's production eat into cooper's a little bit and i would also drop him lower i think the thing that mo said that i agree with the most is that this offense is currently one big question mark which is not good for us during preseason when all we are trying to do is define the roles that these players are going to have and perhaps the types of offenses that these teams are going to run. And when we have really no indicator of what we're going to see come September and beyond, that worries me. And to that point, especially in the early rounds where we should be drafting for somewhat of a floor in addition to ceiling because if your high-end draft picks fail, then you're in big trouble. It It, it is going to take a lot of uh, intestinal fortitude for me to click on Amari Cooper in drafts this fall. Like, he's going to have to fall to a spot where, uh, like, I, and I just don't think he will. Like, I think I'll be taking Larry Fitzgerald over him just because he's just safer. And I, I know what Fitz's role is, even if... Sam Bradford dies week one. I know what Fitz's role is, and I know what that offense is probably going to look like. So, yeah, being a big question mark, Amari Cooper definitely scares me as well. DP, what about you? What uh, what overvalued receiver you got? So sticking with that theme of I don't really know what the teams or the offenses specifically are going to be, uh, two other guys I'm looking at in terms of being overdrafted are Tyreek Hill, because like I said in the last podcast, I just don't know about Patrick Mahomes. I'm just unsure that this guy is going to come into the league and straight out of the gate be able to produce like Alex Smith did. Um, it's So if you look at the stats from last year, the, the highest rated passer on deep balls was Alex Smith which is crazy to think, but it's true. And 13 uh, receiving touchdowns from Tyreek Hill since he's been in the league have been, have averaged 41 yards or higher. So, I mean, 
it just it seems crazy that Mahomes, who does throw a deep ball, yes, I'll give you that. But with Sammy Watkins into the fray, with it being his first year as a full-time starter in the NFL, I just don't see that same type of production coming out of Hill. So I think he's being overdrafted a bit. And then also, I don't un- really understand this Jarvis Landry thing, why he's being ahead of, drafted ahead of Josh Gordon. Um, I mean, again, it's it's a question mark in Cleveland in terms of, well, who's going to be quarterback? Is Tyrod going to start at quarterback and then be pulled in week three? Like, I, I feel like there's going to be a lot of juggling that's going on there. Um, I mean, maybe he's being drafted higher because Josh Gordon hasn't shown up to camp. But- yeah, Josh Gordon's well, not. Who who knows if Josh Gordon's even in the state of Ohio right now? You know, I get it. I get it. And that's also like that's part of the question mark. So I would say he's my secondary concern in terms of being overdrafted to Tyree kills Jarvis Landry. But to me is if Josh Gordon shows up, I mean, he has all the upside that Landry doesn't. So I would much rather be taking Josh Gordon and taking a flyer on that versus, uh, betting on, uh, Jarvis Landry, who looks like he's just going to try and catch every ball with one hand this year and then give speeches about how he won the Super Bowl that he never won. Um, I just, I don't see it. I would I would knock Jarvis Landry down. Also, it's just Cleveland, and who the hell knows what that team is going to be. I'm not high on them uh, at all, uh, despite what you see on paper as perceived talent. I just think that that franchise is a total disaster, so I would knock him down too. So Tyree Kill, Jarvis Landry, and my guys that I think are being overdrafted in addition to agreeing with Mo on Amari Cooper. Well, if you don't like where Juice is going now, if this Josh Gordon saga continues, and if Juice continues to look great on – HBO's Hard Knocks, he's going to keep climbing. So if you don't like him now, there's no chance that Juice lands on any of your rosters. I'm going to echo some of your sentiments on Tyreek Hill. He was an honorary mention for me, and it's because of the volatility that you mentioned and those long touchdowns. Last year, Tyreek Hill had seven touchdowns with only four red zone targets. There were only four other receivers in the NFL with 40 targets or more that had more touchdowns than targets. So five in total, Tyreek being one of them, and Tyreek, uh, seven touchdowns, four red zone targets. It's just not sustainable to me. I'll always remember the play. I think it was Cowboys Thanksgiving, where it was the end of the first half, and they ran this middle screen, and Tyreek just broke the 70-yard touchdown that should have never, ever, ever, ever happened. And fantasy football is very much a weekly game. And Tyreek is somebody that when I'm setting my weekly lineup, he definitely makes my stomach grumble a little bit because I don't know if this is going to be the week when he makes a big play or when he just catches a couple balls near the line of scrimmage for a handful of yards. Mo, you're the great resident. play. Yeah, GPP. Yeah, season exactly. Fantasy gives you the fucking squirms, man. Mo, you're the resident chefs fan. What do you think about Reek? I also think he's slightly overdrafted. Um, it's weird because, you know, they get Watkins and Watkins, his skill set overlaps with uh, Tyreek quite a bit. Uh, you know, that being said, you want to say it's unsustainable, but I mean, he really is one of those very, very, very rare talents who, like, you would believe can continue to take screens 70 yards and, you know, house kickoffs and, and whatever the hell else. Uh, ways he's finding the score. I mean, he is that type of electric talent, that type of rare, rare speed and rare acceleration. Like, you just don't see that. So, I mean, if it happens again, you wouldn't be surprised. No, for uh, sure. That, that being said, I, I do think 
Like he's pretty much being drafted for his max production right now. He's just squeamish. Like during Deshaun's big run, I never rostered him. And like Tyree Kill, he was the outlier, right? He was the boomer bust who seemed to find a way to boom more often than not. And I don't know, I just I just always find myself very scared when it comes to trusting in the outlier, even if they've proved themselves to be the outlier. Um, my overvalued player, in the same vein, uh, he is one of the four other receivers. In addition to Sammy Watkins, Sammy Watkins was one of the other four receivers with more touchdowns than red zone targets. This gentleman had more touchdowns than red zone targets. This gentleman had seven touchdowns on 50 targets last year for a touchdown rate of 14%, which is just insane. The league average for players with 40 targets or more was 4.4%. So we're talking more than 3x efficient than every other player in the league. It's Will Fuller. I mean, this guy, he was... Talk about top-end production and coming out way above expectation. He and Deshaun Watson connected on so many incredible deep plays that I just don't think that we can assume will replicate again this season. Uh, I've talked about my concerns about Watson this year. He himself had a, I believe, if I remember the stat correctly, a higher than 9% touchdown rate where the average for quarterbacks is in that 4 to 5% range as well. So I think regression with the quarterback, definite regression for the receiver here. And where he's going, he's going in the late sixth, seventh round. So again, this is somebody who you're going to have to depend on. You're going to be playing him in the flex position. And when I'm creating my weekly lineups and I'm looking at Will Fuller, I don't want to be flipping a coin as to whether or not this is the week he booms or busts. So a couple of players that are going after him at the receiver position that I would like are I, I would like... If I'm happy with my first couple of picks, I would be okay with Julian Edelman and eating that four-week suspension. But uh, I would really like Emmanuel Sanders, who I think is being undervalued. I think he's a great fit for what Case Keenum is going to be doing in that offense. And uh, in terms of running backs, I think going back to New England, I'd be interested in taking Rex Burkhead over where Will Fuller is going. So same kind of concept. A lot of big plays, but I just don't think they're going to happen again. At least they're not as likely to happen again. DP, what are your thoughts on Will Fuller? Yeah, I agree with you on Will Fuller. Um, I, you know, I think that his production was a bit out of the norm last year. Um, I mean, I feel like he had at least two games if with two or three touchdowns, right? I mean, it just seemed like it when it came with him, it came in bunches, and he was catching these wildly crazy deep balls. It just it seemed but then it seemed to happen every other week so we were all scratching our heads wondering if it is sustainable but we all really knew it wasn't sustainable so like you said I'm just not willing to be betting on someone like that if I'm playing some DFS in in a big tournament sweet I'll take a shot on Will Fuller and hopefully hits it out of the park for me but in terms of a week to week season long fantasy league you know, I, w- I would also avoid uh, Will Fuller unless I'm getting him super, super late, you know, just kind of picking him up off the scrap heap type of thing. But, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be betting on Will Fuller on a week-to-week basis. All right, let's get positive. And I'll start out the positive section by saying that last year, in general, was a terrible year 
for wide receivers. Uh, Rich Rebar over at Roto World does a great study every year where he looks at uh, wide receiver points and touchdowns as a whole over the entire ecosystem. And one of the things that he uh, noted was that touchdown rate across the league was the lowest it's been since, get this, 2009. 435 touchdowns were scored by wide receivers last year. That was down from 501 the year prior, 519 the year before that. And then the three years leading into that was 491, 483, so 485. So 435, a very low touchdown clip. And I think you're seeing that in the first round of fantasy drafts. I I fired up my first mocks yesterday, PPR, and four, five running backs are going before Antonio Brown. Eight running backs, nine running backs are going in the first round. I'm finding myself being able to get OBJ in the late first. Uh, I just think it's insane how much running back value is is being overhyped this year when we all know, I mean, we all know this is a passing league. And beyond all the stats that I just listed about receivers, two of the best quarterbacks in the game missed the majority of last season, and Aaron Rodgers and Aaron, uh, Aaron Rodgers and Andrew Luck, which definitely depressed the receivers in those cores. I don't know. It feels like it was a weird year and that we just need to reset Yet, we know how people overreact to things, and I think we are seeing that with how suppressed running back values are getting. So I think we're going to have some really good values in this segment. And DP, I'll let you lead us off. Give us an undervalued receiver that you like based upon their current ADP. Uh, Rich, you brought him up earlier. You touched on him briefly. I'm a big fan of Manny Sanders this year. I think that the quarterback play in Denver has improved with Case Keenum. Not that Case Keenum is incredible by any means, but I think he's going to be better, uh, a better pass thrower than what they've had there. Um, I mean, to me, he's – listen, Demarius Thomas, we, we clown on him all the time, and he has the skill set to be that really big – awesome wide receiver but he just fails every single week I feel like and I'm much more confident in the much more consistent Manny Sanders who seems to just consistently perform every single week I think Manny Sanders is somebody that I would be drafting much much higher um, you know in in my wide receiver chart and much closer to where not exactly where Demarius Thomas is going because I think Demarius Thomas if you want to swing for the fences fine, go for it. I would stay away. But Manny Sanders should be, the gap between him and Demarius Thomas should be uh, much better, if you ask me. Or much closer, if you ask me. You got any others that you want to blast off real quick? You said you had a long list for both here. I mean, honestly, I think Larry Fitzgerald is going a little bit too low. He's a top 10 wide receiver for me, especially if Sam Bradford stays healthy and stays in that system. I mean, Sam Bradford loves to just absolutely dink and dunk. Larry Fitzgerald's new role in the slot being that target guy, that elite route runner who is just – he's the the best at that as far as I'm concerned, and I think he's going to continue to eat. He can continue to be a red zone target. Um, So I would be – I mean, what's he right now? He's like the 16th wide receiver on the board, uh, according to ADP. I would have him much closer to a top 10 player in that regard. Um, Sterling Shepard, I think, is is too low. Um, I mean, I know OBJ is back. I know they have Saquon Barkley. They also have Evan Ingram. But I feel like that's going to open up a lot of areas for 
Sterling Shepard, you know, there's going to be some some double teaming on OBJ. They're, the defenses are going to have to worry about Saquon Barkley. They're also going to have to worry about Evan Ingram, you know, stretching the field over the middle, that sort of thing. I think it's going to open things up a lot for Sterling Shepard. I certainly don't think, talked about it last week, this Giants uh, offense is going to be any worse than it was last year. So uh, I like Sterling Shepard. I would draft him a little bit higher. And then Jamison Crowder. I think this guy is going to be great with Alex Smith, who also likes to, you know, play safe, throw really short passes. Jamison Crowder is a really good route runner and then can break plays uh, much bigger to give you some upside. I said it I said it a couple episodes ago. I think Jamison Crowder, Alex Smith is a PPR match made in heaven. I, I can't think of a better combo for dinking and dunking in those little drag routes than those two. Maybe I mean Brady and Edelman are obviously first ballot Hall of Fame dink and dunk PPR uh legends, but Alex Smith and Jamison Crowder definitely have the pedigree to compete with them uh manny sanders mo this is a guy who you you opened the light for me i was always a dt guy and then you just kept clowning on him and clowning on him and finally i i think i've come to your side where i i prefer manny over dt you've got to you've got to love love that tout there by uh mr peters yeah that's my guy i mean just look at watch them with two eyes on the field and and look at their production. I mean, like Donnie said, the gap isn't anywhere near how it is treated in, in drafts. So give us some undervalued receivers of your own. Okay, uh, I actually did highlight a few guys on this one. Uh, my first one is Kenny Stills. He has been one of the better deep threats in the NFL the last few years. Um, 14.6 yards per catch last year. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, 15 TDs over the past two years. Uh, that's with clowns throwing him the ball last year. Um, he plays for the Dolphins. What's throwing year. him the ball this year? Not a clown. Tannehill is not great. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But he's not a clown. He's literally... League 10 starter in the league. Stop it. He's league replacement. Uh, or uh, He's replacement level. He is the 16th. Yeah. He's the new Dalton. He is just 16th. I was just going to say, he's he's if Andy Dalton got sick and just didn't feel that good that day. <laughs> uh, you know, so he plays for the Dolphins. This is a good thing for fantasy purposes. Um, should be in negative game script quite a bit. Uh, why can't he just be the top offensive option on this team. I mean, who else is there? It's Devontae Parker, who's just like, blah. Um, and who just broke his hand, uh, broke his finger and might not be right until week one. And might not, and might get traded supposedly. Um, the running back situation. I mean, I think Kenyon Drake does have the potential to be like a top weapon, but then they just, they hate him. Go ahead and sign Frank Gore. So, yeah, so... I mean, like, not only did they sign Frank Gore, time. they gave Damian Williams touches last year. Instead, yeah, which inst- was completely insane. <laughs> instead of just letting Drake tout the rock, I don't get it. Yeah, that guy's nice. So I just think Kenny Stills could be just the top weapon on this offense yet. And, you know, it's not going to be the worst offense in the league by any stretch of the imagination. Uh... And he's being drafted around pick 120. You know, he's coming off the board after defenses and, like, just dart throw tight ends. I mean, I really like Kenny Stills' value there. And then if you're looking 
higher up the board, I have a couple good values that that I'm I'm looking at. The first one is Golden Tate. Um, Golden Tate is okay. You guys know how we talk about how Larry Fitzgerald just does the same boring shit every year, so people just like sleep on him. Well, Golden Tate is the epitome of the same shit every year. I mean, looking at his numbers, it's completely insane how consistent he is. Every single year, he catches 90 to 100 passes and scores four to six touchdowns. This is four years in a row. He's put up exactly the same numbers. We know what he's going to give us. There's no significant changes to the Lions offense, really. They still have basically no running game, uh, a solid QB. They'll be passing a lot. I mean, Tate is going to do the same shit he always does. And the guys he's being drafted in front of, it's kind of, or behind rather, it's kind of an interesting list. Um, he's going right behind uh, the likes of, let me see here, Jarvis Landry, Juju Smith-Schuster, A-Rob, and Cooks. All four of those guys, we we have huge questions about their roles. Um in, in this season. So like I think, you know, compared to them and you know what Tate's gonna give you and you know it's gonna be solid, I would much rather draft Golden Tate. Especially this is starter range, right? This is fourth round, fifth round. This is when you're drafting somebody who's going to be in your lineup mostly every week. And yeah, among that group, do you want the consistency of Golden Tate? You know what you're getting, or do you wanna gamble a little bit? And again, I'm probably going to be on the side that's taking fewer risks earlier on in uh, in the draft there. Yeah, I just think, uh, like, like what's Jarvis Landry's upside? His upside is basically Golden Tate's same shit he always does. Like, I don't see Jarvis Landry in his best possible season doing much more than Golden Tate's going to do. And he's going significantly, like, almost a round higher in the draft. Um, and then finally, T.Y. Hilton? T.Y. I mean, the last time this guy played with Andrew Luck, he led the league in receiving yards. So, I mean, obviously this is a gigantic, massive if, but if Andrew Luck can put in another healthy season, then I think T.Y. going in the third round is, like, criminally low. Um, there's absolutely no competition for touches on this horrible, horrible team that's going to have a horrible defense. So they're going to need to score to, to be in games. Um, I think T.Y. Hilton, I mean, you could argue he deserves to be going above Mike Evans, uh, Devontae Adams, and A.J. Green, who are the three receivers. Uh, going right ahead of him and like eight to ten picks higher than him overall. No uh no fear for Ryan Grant stepping in and getting <laughs> sixty I targets. think yeah, I think TY's role as the top <laughs> guy is pretty safe there. Yeah, I mean the only other guy that's gonna command targets is Jack Doyle probably. And even I mean, yeah, whatever. Cool. Jack Doyle can just do whatever he does and there's still going to be plenty for T.Y. to do in that offense. Uh, real quick, this is something I wanted to say at the top, but I, I didn't make a note of it. But Numberfire did this really great study about predictability 
in terms of ranking. So they looked at expert rankings, quote-unquote expert rankings, for both the season, so preseason rankings, and then weekly rankings to see what uh, the how predictable each position is. And what they found was that the receiver position was more predictable from a season-long output than it was a weekly output, and the running back position was more predictable on a weekly output than from a season-long output. And some there's some things in there that, that make sense. Injury is one of them, running back being a more injury-prone position. And then if you think about the wide receiver position, like the boomer bust nature of it where one guy can have 150 yards and a touchdown in one game and not do well the next just goes to scheming and how the ball gets spread around in some of these offenses. So it, it makes sense what this study showed. It's one of those things where um, we kind of had a preconceived notion of it, but it was for me it was refreshing to see it in an actual study, which also makes me think that I'm more inclined to take receiver if it makes sense in the earlier rounds because those are guys that I'm just going to keep them in my lineup despite matchup and hope that they produce over the season what they should, whereas at the running back position where we can predict game flow, look at the Vegas spread, and look at matchups and try to get an edge that way, I think I'm more likely to kind of just throw the dice on a bunch of running backs. And I, I don't, I, I'm not trying to come out here and propose we all go zero RB and just pick receivers at the top of the draft. But if there's a situation where I'm flipping a coin between a receiver and a running back, I mean, I'm not loving some of these running backs in like the middle rounds, so I'm, I'm more likely to click on a receiver. And one of the receivers going in the middle rounds that I think should be getting way more love than they are currently is one, Corey Davis, the second-year man out of uh, Tennessee. Last year was a weird one for Corey. He was injured during the preseason and then got injured in the middle of the season. I believe it was week 10 or 11. But he returned for the playoffs where he had seven targets in the wild card round against the the Chefs and then eight targets in the next round against the Pats. And in that Pats game, he caught five of those for 63 yards and two touchdowns, including an absolute peach in the left corner of the end zone. Everybody loves Matt LaFleur the new offensive coordinator of the Titans. He came from the LA Rams where he was the OC there. And you ask, why would he leave the OC position for the Rams? Well, he wasn't the play caller there. Of course, Sean McVay was the one calling the plays. If you've seen that famous sound effects from last year where he's actually in Goff's helmet helping him with the audibles. So LaFleur was more of a scheming OC than a play calling one. And now that he has some more duties, he's shipped himself out to Tennessee to do that. So, Everybody thinks there's going to be improvements in this Tennessee offense. Corey Davis is by far, excuse me, by far and away the WR1 here. And just like T.Y. Hilton, who is really competing for targets in this offense? Delaney Walker, I don't think he can exceed what he's doing right now. Like, I think Delaney will get his, and that's fine. He's a really good seam tight end. A great pass catcher, great after the catch, and I think he will retain his role and do it well. But in terms of the receivers on the roster, Decker, no longer there. Tajay Sharp has tumbled down the depth chart. There's nobody really else. I mean, Deion Lewis will come in and get his, but I think it's Corey Davis and Corey Davis alone on this wide receiver depth chart. And if the offense takes the steps that we think it will 
And if the receiver himself gets better, I think uh, I think the sky is the ceiling for this kid. Uh, a couple of receivers going ahead of him that I like him better than Marvin Jones, uh, another guy who scored a lot of deep touchdowns last year. Uh, that I, I'd prefer the consistency of Corey Davis over Alshon Jeffrey, who we're hearing that might stay on the pup list, which would make him ineligible until week six or week seven. Jimmy Graham, we know how much we dislike Jimmy Graham on this podcast. So Corey Davis currently going as wide receiver 26th, the 66th pick overall. And uh, if he's around in uh, the round before that and I'm in need of a receiver, I'm definitely going to be clicking on Mr. Davis. What do you guys think? What do you guys think of Corey Davis this season? What do you think, Mo? Corey Davis... I drafted him once last year. I'm a little jaded. He reminds me. He he. I'm getting dangerous uh, flashbacks to other fake players like Kevin White no! and Rashad Perryman. Yeah, I mean, no. what if this guy's just fake? No, I don't know. This guy Whoa. made plays. He did. Why didn't he do anything? He did things. He didn't Come do on. anything. Yes, he. I owned him. He didn't do anything. You watched him against the Chefs. You watched him against the Patriots. This is a a wide receiver with pedigree. Stop. Yeah, I mean, something Kevin White would have had a pedigree too. <laughs> DP, what do you think? You saw him shred your New England Patriots. What do you think about Corey Davis? Yeah, I think I think Corey Davis is going right about where I expect him to go. Um, I, you know, I wouldn't move him much higher. I wouldn't move him lower. I have no problem taking him. Unlike Mo, who doesn't seem like he's going to touch him with a ten foot pole, I will take Corey Davis. Uh, I mean. He's a good physical receiver. He seems to win a lot of his battles at the line of scrimmage and be able to get open early in in his route running, which I like. Um, I mean, this to me relies on Marcus Mariota, and if he can improve as a player and get better and that progression is there, I mean, hopefully we see it this year under the new coaching staff and, and some new schemes that they got going there. Maybe the addition of Deion Lewis and his pass-catching pass ability out of the backfield helps open things up for them. Um, one of the things that I would watch is uh, what's going to go on with Rashard Matthews because isn't he hurt, I believe? So if he stays hurt, does that then allow defenses to key in on Corey Davis a little bit more? If he's there, Rashard Matthews can hopefully stretch the field and be that kind of big body receiver and allow some more open spaces for, for Davis. So um, I don't mind Corey Davis at all. I would just monitor kind of the situation throughout camp and going into the season. Speaking of that Davis injury and the potential for this Titans offense, uh, take a flyer on Taewon Taylor as well. Also drafted last year, believe a third round pick, and he is an absolute speedster. So here's the thing: so he he this Taewon is definitely a boomer bust guy, and I'm way more comfortable taking one of those guys with my last pick or a 12 or 13th round pick. And if I need to plug him in and and kind of pray a little bit, I'm okay with that. And I think Taewon could reach that mold, especially with, again, the exit of Decker and uh, this injury to Matthews that Donnie alluded to. So those are some wide receivers. Undervalued, overvalued. Next week, we will look at the running back position. And then right after that, we'll revisit our futures and then put in our first Super Contest card of the season. Mo, did you... Did you hear that Donnie was saying that there might be 4,000 entries in this stupid thing? So we're drawing even deader than we were before. <laughs> All the value, though. 
Leave it to Mo. Yo, th- I mean, this is our time, right? What? It's going to be two million up top. Uh, well, right now, based on thirty-five hundred entries on the on the Westgate Super Contest rule sheet, they have kind of projected payouts. I think it's one point five nine three million for first. Let's so. go. I mean, I'll take it. I ain't going to complain. Papa needs a brand new pair of shoes. Come on. No, you need a new fucking computer. <laughs> no, I got a new computer. Yeah, you need a new computer, like you said. <laughs> I can get a new mic. <laughs> yeah. You can one get a new mic. One that doesn't plug into the computer. Yeah. I got to pay for a wedding, so I feel like the stars are aligning. We need things to happen. We would. So here's what the people can root for if we do win we're going to live pod from the westgate with the giant check like that's a thing that's going to happen so everybody should be rooting for us just in that vein and you can root for us by tweeting us friendly things we've got donnie underscore peters we've got at mo nuora and you double w a r a h and i'm at richie ryan be sure to follow at gridiron gamble Subscribe. And if you're listening to this on SoundCloud or some other web application, find us, subscribe to us, rate us, review us. All of that helps power the machine. And enjoy the rest of your week. In week two of the preseason, we will be back to chat running backs next week. Until then, peace. Ow.